Is now the best time to be investing in cryptocurrencies? Is now a rare opportunity in your life to get quantum wealth? You're in for a wonderful discussion with Linda P. Jones, who is the host of the Be Wealthy and Smart podcast, author of a book on the three steps towards quantum wealth. Please stay tuned. Welcome to the Clinton Donnelly Show, where we explore how taxation and regulations of cryptocurrencies affect your daily life as an investor. Clinton has a law degree in international financial regulation. He is an enrolled agent and certified as a cryptocurrency anti-financial crime specialist. He has clients in 71 countries. He is one of the top experts in crypto taxation in the US. This show is sponsored by CryptoTaxAudit.com, the income tax experts for U.S. crypto investors. Are you frustrated with using online crypto tax services to calculate capital gains? Are you a high-frequency trader, DeFi, NFT, play-to-earn, or quail investor? Nothing is too complicated for the experts at CryptoTaxAudit.com. Are you frustrated that your accountant doesn't understand crypto taxes? Crypto Tax Audit uses a proven, bulletproof crypto tax return methodology to prepare a tax return that doesn't attract the attention of the IRS. Crypto Tax Audit also offers an exclusive audit defense membership service. It's like car insurance for your tax return. If your return gets selected for an audit of crypto reporting, they will defend you at no additional charge for the entire life of the audit. No one offers anything like audit defense membership. Go to CryptoTaxAudit.com to learn more and schedule a private tax consultation now. The opinions expressed in this show are not legal advice. Tax and regulations are complicated. Your situation is unique, so you should always consult a tax professional. Thank you, Linda, for being on our show today. Thanks, Clinton. It's great to be here. Linda and I met at a XRP Army conference, really hit it off, and I thought she would be a wonderful person to talk to us. I think maybe the first place to start, Linda, would be just to tell us a little bit about your background. What was your journey that brought you to being a podcaster and, and the source of financial information and knowledge that you have? I can't believe it's been over nine years since I started my podcast. It's crazy how time flies. But how I started that was after graduating from business school, I joined a stock brokerage firm and worked on Wall Street for over 25 years. And along that way, represented money managers and really studied how people invested and why they were successful, what their track records were. I was fascinated by all things investing, which is part of my upbringing, my family background as well. And so then I decided to start investing on my own and buy individual stocks. And this was back during the tech bubble, the first boom that we experienced. And things were crazy, but I managed to accumulate $2 million in several years. And so Everything was great. I had gotten married and life was wonderful. And a few years after that, suddenly my husband dropped unconscious 
remained unconscious for two weeks and then died. And it was a brain aneurysm and it was a complete shock. We had no notice, no headaches, nothing. And uh, of course, it just devastated me and changed my life completely. And I really stopped right then and said, you know, obviously I need to like reevaluate my life and see why am I here? What's my life's purpose? And if I can figure that out, I better go do it because our time is limited. So I decided that my life's purpose was to help women investors to make investing more simple, more easy, just take out the jargon, the lingo, the complexity about investing and finance and show people how to build wealth. And I knew that some women were not naturally inclined toward finance and some women were. I happen to be one that was and handled it for our family, but uh, many women aren't. And for many women, the spouse will handle the investing and have all the interest. But unfortunately, they often are the ones that predecease the wife. And then the women have to deal with the money and don't have any education around it. So there were a lot of reasons why I felt that women really needed to have someone who could just educate them, not be pushing product or trying to sell investments, but to give them education around here's what an asset allocation model is. This is what professionals use to allocate money. This is how you invest. This is what's going on in the market in plain English. So you're up to date and you understand. And that was part of starting the podcast was getting that word out there. And they're very short podcasts, usually 10 minutes or less for busy people. And yet I get to the heart of the matter. What do you need to be paying attention to? What's important? Where do you need to be investing today? And so that started and then that ultimately led me to writing two books, actually. So I can talk about that. But yeah, it was really my heart for helping women really get into the financial world because they were more than capable. They just were too busy, sometimes not interested, sometimes bored with the topic. And sometimes it was just, you know, made much more complex than it needed to be on television and articles and in a lot of media where they were listening. I felt it was not easy to pick up and understand. That is an amazing journey. I really resonate with that story because from my vantage point on tax, it saddens me that you can go to 12 years of schooling and you graduate. And one of the biggest ways you interact with the government that is doing a tax return, you're never taught how to do that. And you're not taught how to manage your expenses. And once you graduate from high school or college, you're bombarded by all these credit card offers. You're invited to get into debt. And then you have no idea how to invest because you're bombarded by mutual fund people and everybody who's got some racket that they're pushing. And it really is tough to know how you pay off your debt and how do you build your wealth and how do you manage those things? How do you be on top of it? And it is so terrifying and paralyzing for people. And, and I think what you're doing is just amazing. What led you to write the book that you have, Three Steps to Quantum Wealth? Maybe what's quantum wealth and what are those three steps? Well, that was my second book. Yeah. Okay. What led me to write Three Steps to Quantum Wealth, which quantum actually means a small number, but when you talk about a quantum leap, that is what I was referring to. So making a quantum leap with your money means making a big leap. And why I wrote this book was because living through that first technology boom when the internet came into being, I know it's hard for young people to realize there was a time when we didn't have the internet, we didn't have websites, we didn't have Amazon shopping and all that online. 
but it's true. We had to do it the old fashioned way. And so living through that internet boom and seeing not only how the media treated it, like it wasn't real, like it was going to go away, like it wasn't something life changing. They didn't embrace it the way you would think knowing what it is now that they would embrace it. Many people were very confused about it. I mean, I remember back in the day, even Bill Gates, who at that time was, you know, a big visionary because of Microsoft and his success he'd had at Microsoft. And he said, the internet is the information superhighway. That's how he described the internet. So people had trouble really understanding and explaining what it was going to be and do and how it was going to change your life. But what I saw was the investments were going crazy and the compounding rates were incredibly high for many companies. And so if you were a tech investor, it was a time when a lot of wealth was created. And when I saw the crypto boom, I thought this is that all over again. It's just the next iteration of, you know, the next layer in the technology world. And again, the compounding rates are incredible. I wasn't a fan of Bitcoin because I was not comfortable not knowing who created Bitcoin, but I recognized Bitcoin became the fastest growing asset ever in history. And for me, that got my attention as an investor. And so I looked at other cryptocurrencies. Anyway, the book was really about how we're repeating this incredible investing opportunity probably the best investment opportunity of our lifetime, just like, you know, the, the tech internet bubble was years ago. We knew there was a big run up in 17, maybe the first time a lot of people heard about Bitcoin. There was a run up a couple of years ago. Do you think it's too late to get into quantum growth in the cryptocurrency investing space? I don't think it's too late at all. I think we're very early in the cycle. And that's something that people that have been in it for a long time don't feel like it's early. Uh, I started investing in cryptocurrencies in 2020, so I'm considered a late adopter for many people in the space, but we're still actually early adopters because the technology is such that the laws, as you know, haven't even been finalized yet. In the U.S., we don't have legal clarity, and we've been waiting for that and wanting that, and other countries around the world seem to have beat us to that. So I'm hoping that we'll have legal clarity and we'll have just the format that we need, the the structure that we need to have this asset class really boom. But the technology is definitely there and it's growing with clients and revenues and all the things you want to see. We're seeing a lot of success. Now, some people have called you the queen of compounding. And when I think of compounding, I think of like compound interest where it just, you do nothing and it just grows and grows. And it's kind of magical. One of the great wonders of the world, some have called it. You see the same sort of function happening in crypto investing. Could you elaborate on that, please? To me, it's a very wild, it, it goes way up and it comes way down. How's that uh, compounding? Okay. Well, in my first book, I wrote about the wealth building formula, which is money, compounding, and time. So it's a function of how much money you have to invest, how much time you have to invest in years, and what rate you can compound at. And what I found was that some of these crypto rates of compounding over five, 10 years have been spectacular, have been higher than we've seen in stocks. So I compared it to some of the most successful stocks of all time, you know, like Amazon and Microsoft and Google 
and just showed how these cryptos have actually had higher compounding rates than the most successful stocks in our day. So the compounding rates have been off the charts, but yes, the volatility is also off the charts, which is why I recommend people just start with about three to 5% of their portfolio in cryptocurrencies. Thank you very much. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? I have a lot of clients who they're kind of all in, you know, they're all into crypto and I find a lot of times crypto investors, this is pretty much the first real investment that they've made. They've bypassed the stocks and mutual funds area. They've gone right into cryptocurrencies. And many of them have taken all the cash they have and thrown it in there. And that can be a wild ride, especially when the market's coming down. Well, you know, as in 2020 and 21, the price of Bitcoin went up. People thought it was going to hit 100,000, maybe 300,000. Everybody was excited, the buzz, the FOMO, and it got up to the 60s and then it came back down. They went back a little bit up to the 60s again, and then it just down, it's down at 30. It hit, what, 16,000 at one point. How do you teach people in investing when to move to the sidelines? When do you collect your gains and when do you get back in? Which I think is a real challenge for almost all investors to know it's right when you're giddy that it's going to go right up to 100,000 that it goes the other way. And it's just disappointing. What are your thoughts on that? Well, a few things. First of all, we haven't invested in Bitcoin. So we don't have the huge swings that some people have had. I mean, some people, if they got carried away and they bought at the peak and they sold at the bottom, they were devastated, right? The other people, if they got in early, they've made incredible fortunes. This depends when they got in, when they bought and how they could hold or not hold through the highs and lows, right? Mm -hmm. But the cryptocurrencies that, that I recommended in my book are the ISO 20022 cryptos, which it's a messaging system that is used in the banking system. So basically it's a standardization of messaging so the banks can talk to each other and have 100% accuracy moving money amongst each other. And I felt by investing in those cryptocurrencies that already had the ISO 20022 standard, that that was going to be investing in the future of the financial system. Now, one of those is XRP. And as you mentioned, we met at an XRP conference. We were on a panel speaking together. And of course, XRP has been mired in a lawsuit, which has held its price down for a couple of years. But I fully expect that with hundreds of banking clients, with huge market share, with, you know, being outside the U.S. used tremendously, that in the future, we're going to see those prices rise. So I think over time, this decade, we're going to see adoption of these types of cryptocurrencies and the whole new banking system. And so people can get caught up in the price going from 45 cents to $3, and that's a nice move. And if they want to take some profits there, they can. But I would encourage people to look longer into this decade, because I do believe that this is like a repeat of the 90s, where we really saw technology come into its own at the very end of the decade. And there was, of course, a huge shakeout for a few years. And then we've seen technology you know, grow and dominate over time. But I think we're probably going to have a similar situation where we have a bubble that will grow and peak into 
a massive bubble later on this decade. So I'm expecting a lot higher prices. And so I am looking more as a long-term investor. If people want to take some profits along the way, fine. But I think they need to leave some of that money in for the end because I think the numbers are going to astound people how big this gets. That's encouraging. Very encouraging for a lot of people. What are your thoughts about the legislative and regulatory environment that we have here in the United States? Do you have any reflections on that? I mean, you've been in the financial industry for a long time. What are your thoughts? I mean, I guess right now they're basically treating crypto as property. You can buy and sell and have gains and long-term gains and et cetera. But I'm hoping that they're going to give clarity and let us know which cryptocurrencies might be a security, which cryptocurrencies might be a commodity. I think a lot of them will tend to be commodities and treated more like gold, silver, et cetera. But we'll just have to wait and see. I wish we could get clarity because the rest of the world is going into this in leaps and bounds, and they're putting legislation in place that is really moving it forward. But I'm encouraged that states like North Carolina have just passed the ability to put crypto on a balance sheet. So we are seeing states pass laws here. We just haven't seen from the SEC or uh, a national law that would cover it all, but I think it's coming. It's just, we're slow. It's very sad. I agree with you. Uh, What are some of the common mistakes you see investors making? Well, I think crypto investors get very excited about crypto. And as you said, sometimes there are investors that come into crypto and they haven't invested in anything else. So what they need to realize is how much more volatile this is as an asset class, how this moves up more than other assets, but it also moves down more than assets. How it moves in generally a three-year cycle of three years up, one year down. So be prepared for that. How they need to safeguard their assets, how they need to keep their own keys in their possession and how they need to have cold storage, cold wallets to store their crypto. I like the DSAT wallet and that can keep your cryptocurrency safe and offline. And how they need to not trust people who are sending emails or trying to contact them about crypto or trusting anything that they read online in terms of sending crypto anywhere or anything like that. Because there's a lot of people that are out there trying to get your crypto. So I think they really need to get educated around crypto and how to keep it safe. And that's what I would recommend that people do who are looking to get invested in crypto. Well, I think that's great advice. I think one of the great places they can start to learn about that investing is by listening to your podcast and just on a regular basis because you offer such practical information about wealth and a lot of it's stuff that you would normally think about if you had time to think about it because it's money sometimes we don't think in the same terms as we think about other things in life and so i think your show is a great place for people just to get a constant input of sensible practical wisdom How can people find your podcast and where to get your books and how to follow up with you? Thank you, Clinton. Well, the easiest way is to go to my website, which is lindapjones.com. And on there, all 1,200 of my podcasts are listed and my books are there and you can learn about my investment group, the VIP experience and everything I do is on my website. 
Linda, it is a pleasure having you on our show. And I'm so glad that you can offer such wisdom to our listeners. And thank you very much. I look forward to having you on again in the future. My pleasure. Thank you. And remember, everybody, taxes are sexy. <laughs>